Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So for those of you who didn't follow us on Facebook, um, uh, the last two weeks, we've had a group of 18 people from Northgate joined with about another 25 or so uh, from all around the United States and uh, spent two weeks in Uganda. And we did a number of things, and you're going to hear a lot of stories um, this morning. Uh, there's 18 of us, actually, that went on this trip, but we don't have time for all 18 to talk. So uh, you're going to hear some of those stories. But just briefly, um, some of the things that we did, we, we served in the uh, village of Bukaya, which uh, seven years ago... Um, Northgate sponsored this village, and we raised the funds to be able to uh, drill a well, um, uh, put in a medical clinic, a church building, a pastor's home, and a latrine for sanitary um, purposes. And um, we got a chance to go back to that village as our team and do a whole week of a whole day of um, free medical clinic. And we saw over 280 people that day. Um, just exciting things. We've had, we got a chance to dedicate wells that you guys were all a part of. Um, we did a walk for water last year and raised enough money between our walk for water and the Benicia Well Project and Rick Small to drill four wells. We were able to go to two well dedications. The actual wells that our walk for water and Benicia Well Project paid for and be a part of the dedication service, which is really cool. And I didn't tell this first service. We had a little more time. I'm going to tell it. They did a ceremony that was just the coolest thing. What they did was they had uh, Pastor Larry, myself, and Rick um, put our hands on the pump of the well. And then the Hope for Kids representatives, who was the organization that we work with, put their hands on the pump. And then the pastor of the church and school in the village, and then some of the kids from the village. And we started pumping it together. And then uh, once the water started flowing, after five pumps, we let go. And then after five more pumps, the Hope for Kids people let go. And it was just, it was a transfer of, this is our gift to you, now it is yours. And they just pumped that water for like the next 10 hours. It was, it was just a really, really cool experience. So it was, we have a lot of things to share, I want to get right into it. But I do, since not everybody's going to get a chance to share, I would like all 18 who were on the trip, if you would all stand, because they all have stories. And uh, yeah. So make sure you ask them their story. They've got at least one, okay? Um, But we're going to start this morning with uh, Marcella Spurgeon. And Marcella was actually a last-minute addition. Um, We started planning the trip like about a year ago and getting people and starting to save money and keeping people abreast and preparing them for all this. And it was really just like the last day um, that Marcella ended up coming. And um, so why don't you kind of tell how that happened and what all came from it? Thank you. Um, I actually was the last minute, that last day, the last hour. It was like, <laughs> are you going or not going? And I decided to go. Um, it was on a jump of faith, I think, really. Because I, I it was never in my plans. It was never in my uh, vacation plans at all. I didn't even have vacation. I actually had to have uh, several of my friends uh, pick up uh, every shift for me while I was gone, that 14 days. Um, but I decided to, I have to read off this because I wanted to stay in order here. I decided to join the Northgate mission trip on the last day of the sign-ups, that last hour, uh, about whatever time before Larry went to bed, and I said yes. Um, I contemplated going to Africa, and that was mid-May. I forgot the exact date. I think it was the 20th. At that time, I had to go through the formality at Kaiser, as we all know, to obtain any time off, which is a little bit longer than an appointment wait. Um, (laughs) 
I actually obtained the third world medical supplies um, that the Kaiser offers for um, the staff who uh, volunteers to do third world missions. It was a lengthy process. Um, they very, 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 very rushed it for me as I was in a, to need to go like July, what would we leave? July 23rd. So they hustled it for me and it, I really appreciated it. The supplies that, that were brought, provided to us during our mission, they were many supplies that we received and brought to save lives. The one that was most profound for me and the team was probably the preterm formula I received on my last day prior to departure. Um, preterm formula is very expensive and uh, not all babies need it, just those little, little ones who are very um, sick. Um, it was initially the supply I deferred. Defer means I didn't want it at all. I, because of the weight limit, I was nervous because we have a 50 pound weight limit. 18 of us were going, we had to 18 bags, some of them for dresses and other supplies we were bringing. I told my material manager, Brian, that I wish I could bring it, but due to the weight, I had to decline. It was really hard. It really bothered my heart that I declined formula, preterm formula at that. And as I walked to my car and headed home that day, I decided to go back and get that formula for the women's shelter in Vacaville. That's when the formula had an expiration date of August 31st, 2012. That was, that was just a little bit of time. You know, in California, it's not uncommon to see preterm babies in a hospital. They would probably, the, way, the formula would have been wasted here. Um, my friend Brian said that there's so many cases that this life-saving preterm formula will help me more in Africa. He, he really suggested that I best use it and take it to Africa where the babies are more malnourished and in desperate need of this type of formula. And um, would it, get, it would get used by the expiration date. I then called Larry to see if we had additional room for this formula. He said yes. We had packed it into a cheetah or duff, what was it? A leopard. Leopard, leopard duffel bag, which is very bright bag. When Larry left, he realized this baggage was left. Oh, wait, wait, let me go back. That baggage was packed with the formula in the office. Larry was ready to leave the office and uh, realized that um, baggage was left. It was probably overlooked. He would have probably overlooked it except for that bright pattern. He brought it to Africa. He brought it to the Mar um, BART before we left to find out who didn't have a bag to carry. If we all had a bag, that formula still would have been left in California because we, we didn't have the money to pay for an extra bag. Um, what was nice is when I arrived at Smile Africa, um, that was the um, first orphanage, one of the first orphanages we went to. They take care of the, how do you say it, Kara? Kara Jones. Okay. Them orphans. They're like below poverty of an orphan. They're even lower than the, the poorest of the orphans. If you can only imagine, it was, it was pretty amazing. They had a preterm two-month-old baby girl named Grace. She was on her last week of formula. Small Africa was praying for money for formula. They received a large donation of nipples for formula, just no formula. Somebody came the week before and brought tons of, tons of nipples, just no formula. When I arrived at Small Africa, I seen Grace, I knew immediately I had her formula and she needed it, and she needed it that day, except I forgot the nipples. And to my embarrassment, I apologized. I said, I said I'm really sorry I have formula, but I don't have nothing to put the top on for it. A uh, great jubilee of love was just shown to me by Pastor Ruth and everyone that was standing there. I mean, I was just, I thought they were just excited to see me. And everyone, <laughs> I was excited to see them too. And, every, and I'm a hugger, so it didn't matter to me I was getting hugged. Everyone, because I had, they were, they were just so happy. They were crying. They were praying. They were, they were happy because I answered their prayers. I teary eye was so happy to know that this baby had clean nipples and it wasn't going to be dirty or unsanitized, and um, this ready-made formula, which they never even used ready-made formula before. It was a great blessing to her that we didn't need to mix with water or anything. It was just ready to go. 
best part of the story that I have that was that I had many cases of preterm formalin, not just one case. And Ruth said that she just got notified for the Toronto hospital that another preemies, twin orphans, will be arriving on Monday to her, and now she had formula to feed them as well. They were orphans since uh, seven months old when their mother died in childbirth. That was the same day I decided to come to Africa. Yeah. Um, friends, this is God's divine intervention to me, and I sent to send me a humble nurse to provide a need for preterm formula with an expiration date of August 31st, 2012. We all throw our food away when it's old. They, they probably wouldn't have thrown it away, I don't think, but they had time to use it. I, am blessed to deliver, I was blessed to deliver the nutrients to three babies who I had the privilege of holding and to seeing thrive. So to think that I almost left that formula in the United States because I worried about not having room I'm so grateful my friend Brian gave me the formula, encouraged me to bring it, and I almost left that, that day the formula in the storage thinking it wasn't worth the bother to carry it and it wouldn't have a need. So my friends, I do, not, do not be blind to your opportunities. You never know whose prayers you are answering. Yeah, yeah so... It really was funny and it really was neat because it was in this cheetah leopard bag and I was like irritated because I went and I was like, who left the cheetah leopard bag? I am not carrying that. <laughs> so I like begrudgingly took it and then I opened it up and it was full of formula. So I'm like, I'm not even going to be able to get this on the plane because it's all this liquid. And so I even like got to the airport like, who left this bag? I was all upset and they're like, no, we don't have no room for it. And um a couple of people made room for it and had to like reorganize all their stuff around for weight. And uh, we brought it and it really was just so cool to see it over there. Some people have been praying about it. And th- even they were sharing in one of the first mornings and they were crying, praying about it, that we could just get formula for these babies. And it was really cool to be like, God's already answered that prayer. And mm. we got to be a part of that divine moment. And, right. you know, uh, just like uh, Marcel was talking about, it was uh, in the hospital, it was a 15 year old handicapped girl that had been attacked by a man and became pregnant. And, um, went to the hospital and had the babies at seven months and then died uh, in birth uh, afterwards. And so to see those children thriving now and surviving because God had a plan and worked before we even got there, you know, not having the nipples for that and someone else bringing that was just cool, so cool to see. We had so many moments where the just divine appointments were happening and God was working miracle after miracle and we were just a part of it. Mm-hmm. And um, one of those things we got to do was, we did, we got to go to Bukaya, the village in which we sponsor and we raised a bunch of money here uh, for chairs because they'd asked for chairs and you guys responded above and beyond. And so they said, you know, we would really love to do a medical outreach for all the communities surrounding that could come here they could get the medicines they need for children with malaria, worms, uh, all sorts of things. So they told the community about this, and it went out quickly. And so they all started responding and coming. And we got to see suddenly 280 people that have traveled here that are sick in need of help. And um, this is Nicole. Nicole had her 15th birthday, basically the whole plane ride. <laughs> it was super awesome. <laughs> She got peanuts. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, you know, one thing I can tell you about Nicole is Nicole likes to be organized and know what the plan is. And so when you're throwing, like, 
a couple hundred African people that are sick that want your help and there's a language barrier. That's not probably really Nicole's cup of tea, you know, and knowing exactly what's going on. So I asked her to just kind of share just the, the moment that she had that day when we got to go do this outreach. Okay, so I was like really nervous because I didn't like, I didn't, I knew I wanted to help with all like the medical stuff, but I didn't want it to be like super medical. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if it was going to be like big open wounds or I don't know. I was just like, okay, no. I can't do that. So I was really queasy and I was really nervous and I was like, oh my gosh. So then I, I got the job of taking people's temperatures and so it was, it, it was like, it was pretty easy, you know, and, but it was hard because like they didn't speak English. So it was kind of just like, you're looking at them and just like, and it took forever to beep. So you're just like, hi. <laughs> and there were a lot of babies that just like started crying because they'd never seen like a white person before. And you're just like, no, stop crying. No. And, um, I was just doing the job and, um, and we wore these name tags the whole time. And Marcella gave us these purple tags and I looked down and it said, blessed are my hands as they tend to those in my care and do the tasks entrusted to me. And it's just like, it struck me like that's what I was doing. Like God like put me in that job and like showed me that at the right time. And that was like my God moment. That was awesome. So it was just really cool that she didn't know that's what she was going to be doing, but she was so used. I mean, hours of people freaking out and, you know, uh, having to connect with them and make that personal connection and really be God's hands in that moment of love and of grace, uh, you know, in, in, in an uncomfortable moment. And I didn't get to share this the last service, but real quickly, it was, it was cool. There were so many people there, and uh, I was hanging out with Rick Small, and he had been offering to pray for people. Well, they're like, he's, so, he's sitting by himself for a long time, because <laughs> they really just wanted the medicine. So we were like, man, we got to like tell people about Jesus. There's all these people in here. And so he's like, but I don't even have a Bible. And I'm like, they don't either. <laughs> So it was really cool. Seriously, spontaneously, uh, Rick stood up and just shared his favorite story, and like three people came to know the Lord, like right then while they were yeah. waiting. So it was really yeah. cool. But it was just cool to see all those different aspects. The other thing that we got to do is to hang out with kids. If you sponsor children over there, um, if you ever go on one of these trips, one of the neat things that you get to do is you get to go over there and actually meet the child that you've been sponsoring. It's an amazing moment. It's an amazing opportunity to have to, to touch them, to see them, to feel them. And one of the really neat things is we got to do, and it was one of the first times they've ever done it, is they had all of the children come and hang out with us at the hotel. And we got to play with them for like four hours and have lunch with them and watch them eat more than any of us ever could. Uh, <laughs> pack down like little kids, I mean plates of food. And, uh, you know, this was uh, your first trip, Betty? Yes. And um, now you guys have been sponsoring at least a child, and now there's more. For how, how many years have you been sponsoring? We um, started sponsoring our first child, who was Patrick, um, when he was 11, and that was 10 years ago, the first time that Ken went to Uganda. And um, at that time, he called and said, I want to sponsor a child. He had met Patrick, and I was like, okay. And um, it's a, it was a dollar a day, and... Um, so he, he chose Patrick, who at the time was um, 11. So we actually got, I got to meet Patrick for the first time. Patrick is now, he's in the blue. <laughs> Sorry, that's right. <laughs> um, 
and he is now, when we got Patrick, he was, uh, couldn't speak English. He lived far from school, so he couldn't go to school. And he was very withdrawn and very quiet. And um, now Patrick is actually in college. He's taking physics, chemistry, and biology. And you can see he's just a great, vibrant young man. Just the change in his life is, is incredible. And um, it was so neat when I met him and he said that I was an answer to his prayer because he got to meet me. <laughs> and then um, also in the picture is Becca. She was the second one that we adopted and she's in the red. That's her school uniform. And Becca lived really far from school and couldn't attend school. And so when we got her, we put her into the boarding school um, because that way she was already there. And the boarding school is this beautiful facility with green grass and it's calm and the girls are very protected. It's peaceful. And when you go from a village experience to True Vine, the boarding school, it is as different as night and day as far as what you're providing for these children for just a dollar a day. The third child there is Ambrose, and Ambrose uh, was our newest um, uh, orphan, and um, he lives near the school, so he was able to stay with his family. And when I met his mother, she took my hand and put a little metal ring on my baby finger because she was so grateful for what we had done. And I realized when I looked behind her and I saw that she had many other children that she was grateful because what we did for Ambrose was helping her whole family. When we gave him beans and rice, that was helping his whole family. And the mosquito net, that was for his whole family. And so she was grateful to us, not only for adopting Ambrose, but because of what it did for the rest of her family. And then the first day that they, we were there, the culture shock day, we went to um, a little village called um, Juba. Jumba. And um, Jumba is a very dirty little village with very poor people and children partially clothed. And um, at the end of our day there, they had some of the orphans that had newly been uh, entered into the program stand up and hold a little paper in front of them for us to choose to sponsor some of them. And so we picked Nora. This is her in the picture. She was terribly afraid of us. She doesn't speak English. I don't think she'd seen many white people. Um, so we picked her, but she didn't really pick us. <laughs> and actually, she hung around with Heidi the whole day because she was felt better with Heidi. Um, but anyway, so she was the fourth because, of course... Now I see when Ken would go there and he'd see these kids, why every time he came home with another one, it's because um, we, we have so much and it costs so little to make a huge change in these kids' lives. And just to see from Nora up to Patrick, the difference that um, our sponsorship has made in these kids' lives. So anyway, it was great. Yeah. It really is a... <clears throat> It really is amazing to see the difference that your dollar a day makes. And there was so many of these like divine moments like I talked to you guys about. And you're going to hear about some more in just a moment. But one of those that I really have been praying about and feel like is, is I feel like you're sitting where you're sitting for a reason. And that there is a child sitting right next to you today. So look around you. 
Hopefully you're not sitting on any of them. <laughs> um, but I wanted to give you guys the opportunity because that's an opportunity we have. You can tell what kids are sponsored and aren't because the kids who are sponsors have shoes on their feet. I mean, it was like obvious. They have shoes on their feet. Other kids don't. They, they have clothes on, which might just be a uniform, which is what they wear all of the time. They're clothed and they get an opportunity to go to school and to do something with themselves. Um, it was really special because I got to meet <clears throat> the children that we sponsored too. My, my children, uh, my five-year-old and three-year-old sponsor a kid, they're same age, same, so they're like pen pals and they can grow up together. And, and I got to go hang out with the two of them and we had this meal and we all sat down together and they're just like my kids. It was like having to be dad over there except they just don't know me that well. You know, picking their green food out and not <laughs> wanting to eat that and, you know, having to take them to the potty. Like it was, it was crazy. But it was just really special to see already the impact that that's making. And so, you know, today um, there is uh, 88 kids in this room uh, in Africa that need sponsorship and about 70 of them have lost their sponsor. Uh, that means somebody sponsored them for a little bit and just felt like the $31 a month or the $372 a year was just too much um, to make a difference in that child's life. And I was talking to them like, so what happens? What happens to these kids after they've been sponsored and they got their shoes and they got their uniform? And the deal is they don't just have money constantly coming in for this, that eventually what they're going to have to let that child know is they don't get to go to school anymore and they don't get shoes and they don't get a uniform. And I cannot personally even imagine what that would be like to be giving something that at a time is so special and then to be taken away. So this morning we all have an opportunity to participate. And this is actually when I was laying these out this morning, I was praying over it. This is going to be mine because I had my little divine moment. He's, his name's Lawrence, so it matches along. <laughs> um, but that way my wife and I can each sponsor a child, my kids, and we all can talk about and be a part of this. And, you know, we've read this before, but one of of verses that just always strikes me and stands out to me so much is in James. And it's so simple, but it's so clear. The part that I get to play, and it comes from James 1, 27. Religion that our God, the Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's so simple because we can actually do that. We don't have to be there you don't have to go on this trip to do it and to touch them. You can do it from a distance just with the care and the love of taking care of them. We got to do um, so many different things. And one of those things that we get to do is we really get to clothe when clothing is needed or feed when food is needed. And I'm going to read you from um, the book, uh, Hole in Our Gospel, from Richard Stern's he wrote, this is his, his version from the Bible. It says, for I was hungry while you had all you needed. I was thirsty, but you drank bottled water. I was a stranger and you wanted me deported. I needed clothes, but you needed more clothes. I was sick and you pointed out the behaviors that led to my sickness. I was in prison and you said I got what I deserved. I know there's parts of me that are in that. I think or say the same things and... So again, friends, I just offer you that opportunity. Um, I really feel like all of us in this room could just take care of all of these kids here today and uh, go that much further. And all you would do is just fill out the top part, rip it in half, and later on you'll get to take them home today. If that's not you and today is not going to happen, put it off to the side so later people can move around the room and find them so I don't have to find them later. And just pray for them. Just lift them in prayer. Say a prayer for them as they're sleeping right now. Uh, somewhere, 
wherever they might be sleeping. Again, we had these divine moments, and we had an opportunity to feed people who were hungry, and we got to take care of widows. We didn't just get to hang out with the orphans, but we got to spend time with these widows, and we had a spa day, which I didn't know a whole lot about because that's like a girl thing. <laughs> and so <clears throat> Heidi is going to tell us a little bit about the spa day. So tell me, what is a spa day? Um, well, we got to wash the widow's feet and put um, almost like a Vaseline stuff on their feet so that it would soften them up a bit and paint their nails and put on lipstick. And they got to hang out with their um, girlfriends and they had soda and cookies. And um, it was just really amazing. And then after we were all done with everything, we got to pray for them. And sometimes the like language barrier was kind of difficult, but luckily... The widow next to mine could speak a little English, so she was, like, interpreting a bit. But my widow said what really, like, was hard for me was her eyesight was going out. And her prayer was that she could see her her kids grow up. And she has six kids. Um, So that was kind of, like, a realization. Like, I finally realized you don't see people there with glasses. They don't have glasses. And look around your room, like, how many people have glasses? So, so uh, we got to rub their feet, which was super not exciting, um, <laughs> for me at least. So what was it like uh, rubbing these feet? Um, they were really hard because mm-hmm. they, like, walk on them all the time, and some of them don't have a lot of shoes. Um, one of Ken's widows didn't have shoes, and I heard Ken and Larry trying to ask if we happen to bring extra flip-flops or anything for um, her feet. So I, like, took off my flip-flops and walked over to her to give her the shoes, and I instantly thought, what if the shoes don't fit? So I, like, did a little prayer to God, like, please let these shoes fit, and they fit perfectly. And then Maya went over and gave her shoes away to a widow, and they fit perfectly. And then... Um, Emily, like two seconds later, did the same thing and ran over to us. She goes, the shoes fit perfectly. <laughs> and then that night at family time, Larry's mom and Kathy found out they, give their, they gave their shoes too, and they fit perfectly as well. So it was amazing that we were able to give five shoes to fit perfectly when half the women there don't have shoes that fit good. Mm. Yeah, that's great. It was really cool. It was yeah. a great experience. Thank you. It was really cool just to see how that worked and like it came out of nowhere and to think that, okay, I'm giving my shoes up and I'm not going to leave with them. I did try to give away my shoes. They did not fit perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) The lady told me, she's like, it's better for her not to have shoes than to break her hip because she falls in the clown (laughs) shoes. Man, it was just so neat and so special to see God like working in all these little instances. And, and the water that we got to use was clean, safe water that we got to wash their feet with. It was really neat to go over and the guys went to the borehole and pumped out water and brought it so these ladies could soak their feet and just be so grateful and joyful. And um, Kima um, knows a little bit about safe and clean water because um, last time when we came back, Uh, Her husband, Rick, had come back and was devastated, but yet motivated and called by God to do something about it. And that's how we came up with the Benicia Well Project was through Rick Small. And so we got to come back and tell Kima all about this. And so um, you got to see this kind of, you got to hear it before, and then you got to go and experience it. Can you tell us a little bit about 
what it was like with the water before you went, what you heard. Okay. Um, the first thing that happened is um, I heard about the village through our sponsorship of the village that happened six years ago and knowing that we had provided a well. But it still didn't really connect with me, that story, because I really can't relate to what it means to have no clean water. And then Larry and Rick went last year, and they were so uh, touched by what they saw and affected. Um, Rick came home and said, um, we're going to sponsor a well. And I thought, oh, that's great. He goes, no, I mean, you and I are going to sponsor a well, and it's about ten or $11,000. And it just took a moment for him to start sharing with me why that was something that he had to do. And um, some of the stories I saw and heard myself, uh, these are things that Ken has seen and uh, Larry and Rick have seen. Um, they saw the source of the water that people got in these villages. And they were uh, nearly dried up, you know, maybe ponds or streams that were used for everything. They were used by the animals. They were used for bathing, washing, you know, collected for uh, food. And, and it was full of disease dysentery, children were dying. Villages were actually, I mean, cut in half in some of these villages. And uh, Hope for Kids has a liaison there that's been looking for villages that are the most needy. And one of the ones that we went to was um, a village where there was a madman who visited this source. And as he was there, he would bathe urinate, wash, and then people would come after him and didn't even know what had been taking place. So um, that's one of the stories. The other village that we went to, and this was the one that, um, that was Rick's well that really makes me very proud. Um, this village was known to have um, young girls that were fetching the water for the families and there were evil men laying in wait for these young women to rape them and to harm them. They also were required to bring water to their schools for the school to have water for whatever functions took place. And they were caned if they were late or if the water did not arrive. And they were sent home. And it was a, a shame. So... Those are some of the reasons that Rick's uh, story touched me and touched all of you and led to the well projects that you all were a part of with our Walk for Water. And so I know just from last year, um, altogether we've added four wells just from Benicia. Mm -hmm. That's great. So in contrast to that was just really amazing to see the celebration of just life water that was being given through these boreholes and, um, you know, the, the outbreak there of typhoid and cholera. But they weren't as grateful to us like we rode on, on some white horse and said, here's a well for water. They were so grateful to God. And 
thankful for what God had given them. They truly had an attitude of gratitude that was contagious. And it really set all of us back to be like, you know, to feel so insignificant for the things that we complain about when they're just so thankful for water. So it truly was an amazing experience. We actually got to walk the whole way to go act like we were fetching water and just to see the change in them, the health of people. And um, um, you guys are all going to have an opportunity if you want to, again, to come at some time. We're going to have an informational meeting or get together in the next couple weeks. I'll be letting you know about that. And you guys can actually go and experience that. And, and when we first were talking about that, Kathy was one of those people that heard about it and was like, okay, maybe, maybe I should actually go and experience this and see what this is about and be the hands and feet. And so I asked her um, just to share a little bit about that. And um, it was funny as we were riding back uh, to travel home, the 40 three hours it took us to come home. She sat behind me in the bus and she's like, I'm all prepared. And I'm like, prepared for what? And she's like, for talking on Sunday. And I'm like, oh, okay, you're going to talk on Sunday. So here she is. <laughs> uh, and she said she had written some stuff down and she read it to me. And I just thought it was really great. And I wanted you guys to hear about just her trip as she, you know, planned and went through this process of is this what God's going to have happen? Am I going to be able to go? Am I not going to be able to go? This means so much. It's taken so much from me, so I'll just be quiet and let you share. <laughs> so as Larry said, um, it took a lot to uh, get me to come in that I had to take a leap of faith that I would um, be able to afford to do this. Um, it was a little costly and things I really didn't think about, you know, the cost of your passport and um, the cost of the vaccinations. And then um, I didn't get to say this in the last uh, uh, service, but I also had some obstacles to go through with my family and um, had to take a couple of trips to Oregon. I had emergency surgery. And so there were just a few things that were distracting me from um, truly being able to concentrate on fundraising. So uh, I had my friends and family praying for me a lot and um, just come to me and say, you need to take a step back and let God take control here. He doesn't want your money, Kathy. He wants you to go to Africa, and he will provide a way for that to happen. And it did, miraculously. I mean, even up, honestly, even up to a week before we left, I was saying, is this really going to happen? Am I really going to make it to Africa? Will we have the funds to do it? And the donations came in. It was amazing, and I was really thankful to um, have that happen. And then... Um, on the way back, as we were leaving in Tebby to go to the airport, I was trying to decide what was I taking back from this. Well, trust was one. I had to take a huge leap of faith and just know that God, this was what God wanted me to do. And then I was trying to figure out what's that big wow? What's that one last thing that, you know, happened while I was in Africa? And I, it was Sunday, and I wanted to do some worshiping, so I plugged in my earbuds and listening to the Lord in a worship song, and I started writing journal, and um, this is what Larry got to read, so I'm going to share with it, share it to you now. I have the chance to change my world. Beautiful has a new definition. New life has begun. What can stand against me if my God is for me? I'm not just some wandering soul. My life has purpose. I am more than flesh and bone. I am someone worth dying for. Wherever I went, everybody greeted me with a wave and a smile and a handshake, especially the children. Hope is the word providing education and loving on them. 
I feel less inhibited, less afraid. When I did, when I did not feel strong enough, God carried me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I don't have to be strong enough. God sees beneath my flesh and bone like the way I had to be in Africa, seen beneath the dirt, wounds, disease, and find the person who can give to their needs, give my affection, my loving, uninhibited touch, my raw, God-given purpose to share a part of me with the children, women, and men of Africa, to touch their hands, to hold the children on my lap, to press their heads against mine, to allow the hugs that literally would knock the glasses off of my face, and to last longer than a minute, to let go and let God, to realize the power of my presence. Then God gave me the ability to see through his eyes, allow me to be his hands and feet. This makes me think of the middle school camps that I attend and how I cut loose, I worship unabated, I hold the girls' hands and I raise it in worship and not worry about what it looks like. I feel invigorated by Africa to continue the the same uninhibited love and affection with my pride put aside to give of myself the way God intended it to be. I am going to miss Africa, but I am bringing it home with me and I will go back. Yeah. So many good stories, and I really encourage you to, to talk to any of the people that went on the trip and just hear some of their stories uh, more on one-on-one. But one of the things that um, often we... Larry was talking about this idea of divine appointments and how it just seemed like God had the right people at the right place at the right time with the right size flip-flops and those kinds of things. Um, but sometimes people will say things like, you know that's an awful lot of money just for you to go over there. I mean, wouldn't $4,000, what if you just, wouldn't it be more practical to just send the $4,000? And the answer to that is, yeah, probably. But there's something that, that misses because of that. And, and we were talking about this um, at dinner, at one of our dinners, one of the nights. You know, why do we go? Why do we go? And, you know, there's a lot of good reasons because you, you get to meet the kids that you're sponsoring. Um, when more people go, there's more of a connection with it, and, and you can share it with more and more people. A lot of really, really good reasons. But I, I went to bed that night, and I woke up, because of time change and everything, about the middle of the night, and I was just thinking about this whole thing, and it just really struck me. The most important reason we go is to touch and to love and to hug and to hold, and to care for, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And what struck me, and every time I go, this, this was my fifth trip, and every time I go, something God does in me, and, and this is the one that was kind of my take home, was that's what Jesus did. See, God didn't send us a book of rules. He didn't give us a theology or, or a practice to follow. What he did was he gave his only son, and, and, and one of the names given for Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And we're told in Revelation, in the end of all times, now the dwelling of God is with men. And what we, you know, you can send money, and money can do a lot. $31 a day can change a kid's life. Don't get me wrong. The thing that money cannot do is touch and hug and hold. And we went to visit the Smile Africa, which is where the Karamajung children are. And they are like, the lowest class kids and they're kind of like street kids 
um, and dirty and filthy and snotty noses and the whole bit, you know. And, and I remember um, one of the kids came up to me and, and just raised his hand and wanted to be picked up, you know. And I remember at that moment thinking, if I pick him up, then I'm going to get my clothes dirty. I'm going to have to go home and change clothes. And just in that moment, it was just like, oh, thank God Jesus wasn't afraid to get dirty. <laughs> that he came and touched the unclean. He healed the broken. He, he, he engaged in life for us so that we can actually relate to him. And, and if God just you know, shouted from above with a big loud voice, we would never know the personal nature of what he has given to us through Christ. And the fact that Christ came and lived among us and, and touched those who no one else would touch, who cared for those who no one else cared about, to bridge all of those gaps, and then not only to live his life for us, but to give his life for us. And that ultimately, that ultimate expression of love is giving. And what we got to do for two weeks was in a very, very small, microscopic way, if you will, be the hands and feet of Jesus. To, to, to reach out beyond our comfort zone, beyond what we were used to doing, um, to wash feet, to hug and, and, and you know, hold on to you know, dirty, snotty-nosed kids. And, and all of that is really what Christ did for us. And you don't have to go to Uganda to do something like that. Because every one of us who are Christ followers have been called to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the people around us. And it may look different than a Karamajung child. But there's somebody in your life that God has placed in your life, a divine appointment, if you will, that you are to be the hands and and feet of Christ to them. And that was probably my biggest takeaway from this trip, that what we got to do for just two weeks was something that we are all called to do on a much grander scale every day of our lives. So would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.